0: Hello and welcome to our channel. We are so happy you're joining us for this life changing message from Awakening Church. I believe it will bless you. Psalms 23. Of course, we're in a series called Mysteries and Promises. Say, Mysteries and Promises. Say, God has many promises that He made to me. And say, God. Will fulfill them with many mysteries and mysterious Mysterious. miracles. (laughs) Say yes in Jesus' name. (laughs) The Lord is my shepherd. We were teaching from that scripture last time. I shall not want, I will not be a needy person, I will have no lack. No lack doesn't mean that you never lack. Obviously, we are part of a world and a system that goes in cycles, say cycles. And a careful analysis of the text from which I'm teaching you today will show you that this passage of Scripture actually is taking a herd of sheep on a journey with a shepherd. And most theologians believe that this is a journey that would take one year. Say it's a cycle. So you have all the different seasons in the life of a sheep within these few verses. It gives you the winter, say winter. It gives you spring, say spring. It also gives you the summer, say summer. And then the fall, say fall. You know, when you're in the fall towards winter, you're going back to the house of the Lord forever. Are you here today? So life works in cycles, say cycles. But the good news is that wherever you are in the cycle of life, He's there with you. It says, the Lord is, is my shepherd. I shall not stay in lack. I will not lack. I might be in need for a day or for a week or for a season, but no season is without ending. This is not in my message today, but let me put it out there for somebody that needs to hear this. This trial you're going to is not forever nothing is forever but jesus come on nothing is forever but his love nothing is forever but his care no problem lasts forever the lord is my shepherd adonai rohi another translation in the hebrew says adonai raah. he's the one who provides he's the one who provisions i know that you think that my english is bad but the truth is your revelation is low This is what it means. The Lord provisions, provisions. Before you had the visions, he already did the provisions for the visions. Before you had an idea, God already sent the angel investor. Come on, I'm preaching today. He had what you needed before you knew you needed it. He's your shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And we teach uh, this scripture. Last time we said that he makes me, say he makes me. And then he leads me, say he leads me. And then he restores me, say he restores me. Why? Because sometimes I fall. I'm like sheep that fall, but he restores me. He returns me to the original condition. He turns me back on my feet. Come on and talk to me. He leads me in the paths of righteousness because I'm a good Christian. Is that what he says? No. He leads me in the right paths because I'm right. He leads me in the right path because I have the right connections. Are you here today? No. He leads me. In the right path, that's what paths of righteousness sound. It's the right path. There is a right path. There is a proper path. God has a path for you and he leads you on this path. Not because you're good. Not because you are sinless. Not because you're righteous. Not because you're a good boy or a good girl and you didn't do anything wrong. Come on and talk to me now. Do I have like three people in this church that realize if it was just for my actions, I would not be on this path. I would not be in this church. I would not be among the living. But thank God that He didn't give me what my sins deserve. He didn't give me what my ego deserves. He didn't give me the fruit of my actions. He gave me the fruit Of the shepherd's actions. Who is the shepherd? John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I lay my life down for the sheep. I am the true vine. Come on and talk to me now. So he says, I will lead you in the true path for my name's sake. My name is faithful. My name is kind. My name is good. My name is the same yesterday, today, and forever. My name is Adonai Rohi. I will be your shepherd and I will lead you in the paths of righteousness. We as humans, we have the tendency of believing that it is us who did great when things are doing well. And it's somebody else's fault when things are not running well. I call this the casino mentality. You know, people in a casino, if they win, they think, I won because I'm so smart. I won because I bet on the right thing. I won because of me. But when they lose, they say, oh, this is just by chance. (laughs) Or it's the casino's fault. It's somebody else's fault. Isn't it amazing that we are experts in the art of self-deception? That we can really deceive ourselves That we are the ones that made it in life. Talk to me now. You have even Christians who sometimes forget that if it wasn't for the goodness of God. Come on and preach back to me. If it wasn't for the mercy of God. If it wasn't for the grace of God. If it wasn't for God who was on your side. You would have lost much more than the battle. You would have lost yourself. But he kept you. He was with you. We as humans, we have a tendency of thinking like this is me. This is my path. This is the right path. And we always think that our current path is the right path. But the previous paths were the wrong paths. So now we're on the right path. But the other thing, you know, we change. So we finally found ourselves. But we never find ourselves. It's like Johnny. When, when Johnny is four... And you ask Johnny, what's your dream for life? He will say, I want to drive a tractor. <laughs> I don't know of a four-year-old whose dream doesn't involve driving a car. But by the time you turn 15, you realize it's not the best job in the world to be an Uber driver. It's not the best job in the world to be a taxi driver. So by the time you're from 5 to 15, you realize, no, I don't want to drive a tractor. I want to drive a Porsche. (laughs) Because you think that's how these girls will like me. This This is how I'm going to have some status. This is how I'm going to be, you know, respected or popular in the world. So then from 15 to 30, you decide... To become a doctor because this is a high-paid profession. But then when you hit 30 and you start working that profession, you realize that you're working long hours, so you couldn't even drive your Porsche. (laughs) You couldn't enjoy the girlfriend that you got because you got the Porsche and you got the right job. So now when you're 30, you decide, no, I'm going to find the right path. Come on and talk to me now my path is going to be i'm going to become an entrepreneur this is now the new thing come on and talk back this is like the whole world everybody wants to be an entrepreneur nobody wants to work anymore everybody wants to start his business Because they were watching Shark Tank, come on and talk to me. They were watching, if you're in the UK, The Druggers. Then they were looking at influencers online. They were marketing and creating their own products. And they were taking selfies and making money and going to the best hotels and the best resorts for free. And the whole social media feed is full of, do you want to work from the remotest and nicest island on the planet? Do you want to be like me, sitting on the beach and making a bunch of money? You need to become an entrepreneur. Buy my course for $199 and then I'll teach you how I make money or I will make money so that I can be in a nice beach and then you can watch my course from your stupid little apartment somewhere in the underground I'm trying to pitch today oh my my English is not bad your revelation is slow yeah so now you decide oh my goodness I'm missing out on so much in life I need to become an entrepreneur. So you buy all the courses. Now you will be an entrepreneur. You break up with your wife. Come on and talk to me. You start your own company. You're now officially a coach. You're coaching doctors. You are your own businessman. What they didn't teach you in the School of Entrepreneurship is that while you were working long shifts, when you were a doctor, if you become a self-made entrepreneur, you will have no shifts. My English is not bad. Your levelation is low. If you become a self-made entrepreneur, you will no longer have shifts. You will be just in one long shift called life. <laughs> this is the life of the Entrepreneur. So you spent 15 years. Now you're 45. Congratulations. Uh (laughs) And now you realize, I actually am missing so many moments with my children and my family. So now you think you've found the right path. You will be a stay-at-home dad. (laughs) And every time you change, you think this is it until you realize it was never it he leads me in the right paths he leads me in the right paths he leads me in the path of righteousness can you trust that your shepherd knows what you will want in 40 years I believe that many times when God doesn't give us what we are chasing after, it's simply because he knows the regrets we'll have in 10 years' time. So we have to learn how to trust in the shepherd that the shepherd knows. And the shepherd makes me. He makes me. He makes me. He makes me. He leads me. Come on and talk to me. He leads me. Then he restores me. And then again, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. And I still haven't arrived at the verse that I want to teach today. Help me, Jesus. Verse 4. Yeah. I like how it starts. Say yay. Yeah. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now you're thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna make some money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have some friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna drive a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though I walk to the valley of death. Woo! (laughs) You're reading, yeah, you're thinking, Wow, it's going to be amazing. Well, welcome to the valley of the shadow of death. (laughs) If it was you writing this psalm, you would be like, oh no. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear all evil. No, he says, yeah. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Well, how come? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Oh, this is where it gets really good now. You prepare. Say prepare. Say prepare. Say it has been prepared. Say prepare. says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup. Runs over. Say overflow. If you're taking notes, my message today is called Enemies and Tables. How to deal with haters. Enemies and Tables. How to deal with haters. I was talking to a lady who is a PR expert at the highest level. A good friend of mine. We just had dinner. And... She loves to study human behavior on social media. She told me something that I didn't know. She told me that in Facebook, if you have a post, around 10% of it would be negative. And part of these negative posts are what she called real haters, hardcore haters. Those are the people that... Even if you apologize to them for your post, if you told them they are right, if you wire money in their bank account, they will still hate you. They are haters for the hate itself. They find pleasure in hating. They find pleasure in defaming. They find pleasure in smearing your name. Then she said, if you go on Instagram, it's about 5%. Of course it depends on what you're posting, say posting, and sharing, say sharing. So if you want to, you know, be careful with the haters, then you have to be careful with what you're posting and sharing. Come on. And this is not in my message today, but one of the ways to deal with haters is try not give them too much material. <laughs> like before you press the share button, before you press the post button, Remember, what's in the internet? <laughs> the internet is like Las Vegas, but forever. You know, they say what happened in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, what happened in the internet stayed in the internet, on the internet, forevermore. Yeah. So think twice before you press the button. But then when you post on... The fastest growing social media network in the world today is called TikTok. She says it's up to 30, 40% of hate. And she says, it doesn't even matter what you're sharing. Maybe you're sharing how you're making an omelet. Come on and talk to me. There will be at least 10% of people telling you you're a horrible omelet maker. I said, are you serious? She said, yes. Imagine me cooking for my husband and then somebody is writing a negative comment on the video and says, you will never become pregnant. You are cursed. Haters. And today, social media allows haters a privilege that no other time in human history allowed them. Because if you were hating somebody, if you wanted to be opinionated, on anything, you had to stand with your face and your name and attack. Today, you can hide behind a keyboard, come on. You can hide behind a screen. You can hide behind a picture of something that looks very nice or not so nice, <laughs> but it's not your face, yeah. and attack. So I said, what do you do? Well, she says, I study them, I talk to them. She says, I answer some of them. She says, I'm just doing uh, research on is it possible to turn a hater around? And if you do, how would you do that? And what's a percentage that you could win over? I said, why in the world would you spend precious minutes and hours of your life trying to do that? And she said, because you don't realize, Maxim. It seems like in our world today, there are more haters than creators. There are more commentators than people who actually get involved to create anything. Are you here today? Everybody has an opinion. You look at a conflict in the Middle East. Everybody's post. I have friends posting every day on Israel. Israel. I'm sick of it. Are you here today? Like I'm tired of looking through my newsfeed and looking. One of my friends says, oh, these Jewish people, they're terrorists. They should stop attacking the poor people in Gaza. And then my Jewish friend comes up and says, we're going to kill all of this Hamas. The whole world is against us. Everybody's, you know, and then the worst part of it is people who are never in Gaza. You're not here today. People who never went to Israel, people who don't know anyone who is Arab or Jewish, who don't understand anything about geopolitics, about the conflict in the Middle East, about the complexities of living in this territory of the world. They don't understand, but every day they're posting. Multiply this by millions of people. And you wonder why you have riots and wars and conflicts and rumors of wars, because Stupid people. Can I preach now? Illiterate people are using social media as a weapon of mass destruction, as a weapon of division. And when you read the statistics, when you look through social media or when you coach celebrities like I do, then you realize it's a serious problem. I had a, a very popular singer from Bulgaria, a young gentleman. He came to my, my meeting. It was actually during the summer of 23. He comes to one of my services. And he wanted to see me in the green room. We sit in the green room. He says, I can't take it anymore. I'm like, well, what, what is it? He says, I'm having suicidal thoughts. I'm fighting anxiety. I cannot sleep. I'm taking sleeping tablets. It doesn't work. I say, why is that? He says, I just cannot take the hate. Every day, every hour, there is somebody somewhere saying something negative about me. I just cannot take it. He was contemplating suicide. The enemy is a hater. I said that the enemy is a hater. And the spirit of the hatred is the spirit of the enemy. So you have to learn how to stand in the face of hate and how to distinguish between the human, are you here, and the spirit. Because the Bible says, can I preach this thing? That our fight is not against flesh. We are fighting against spirits who are controlling people. Tables, say tables. And enemies, say enemies. Dealing with haters. David goes so far as to say, he says, yay. Say yay. Yay. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So it means that as long as you're walking, you'll not be afraid. Are you here today? He says, if I walk, I will not be afraid. Say, if I walk, I will not be afraid. You see, what the enemy wants to do is to make you stop and give too much attention. Where attention goes energy flows. The enemy wants to stop you in the valley because he knows something that I came to preach today. No valley is forever. I'm going to say it again for those of you watching online because people here in the church, they're still, you know, trying to understand my English, which is not bad. It's just that their revelation is slow. There is no valley without an end. Even the longest valley on planet Earth, eventually, look at me. I said, eventually, look at me. I said, eventually, look at me. You see, what Satan is trying to do in your life is he's trying to distract you so that you stop your walking and you start listening. You start looking at the negative stuff. Talk to me. You start listening to the negative people. You know, the valley is full of predators. The valley is full with snakes. And the most dangerous thing for you is to stop in the valley. I came to preach to somebody and tell you, don't stop in the valley. I came to preach to somebody and tell you don't stop in the problem. I came to preach to somebody and tell you don't stop, come on now, in the darkness. If you find yourself in a problem, if you find yourself in darkness, if you find yourself in the valley of the shadow of death, don't you dare stop moving your feet because while you're walking... (laughs) He says, while I'm walking, I will fear no evil. While I'm walking, I will fear no evil. While I'm walking, I will fear no evil. Shout like you're getting it. So what the enemy is doing here is he says, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. The Bible says that Satan is like a roaring lion. Do you know why a lion roars? For one simple reason. Because the predator knows that your survival instinct that works with fear has three primary manifestations. One is fight, say fight. The other one is flee. Say flee. But what the roar is trying to accomplish is three. Say freeze. Freeze. The enemy is trying to freeze you up in your problem. Look at me. He's trying to freeze you up in your valley. He's trying to shock you so that you remove your attention from who is walking with you to who is fighting against you. I'm here to preach to somebody under the sound of my voice and say, it isn't relevant what you're walking through. The most relevant part is who you're walking with. If you're still walking with the shepherd, oh, you should be clapping. No weapon formed against me is going to ever prosper. Shout like you believe it. But the enemy is roaring like a lion. It doesn't say that he's a lion. There's only one lion. It's called the lion of the tribe of Judah. It says that he's roaring like a lion because a, ro- a lion roars in order to shock you into submission. So that you don't put up a fight. So that you don't get on your two legs and run. He's trying to intimidate you in the valley. So that you stop. And say this is it. This is it. No. This isn't it. This is just the straight path to it. But then the question. Begs asking. Why in the world would God take you through this path? I don't know who I'm preaching to, but there is somebody under the sound of my voice who is asking, Why like that? Why isn't it like the last time? This is how you did it last time. Now you're slow. God says, I'm not slow. You're stupid. You see, something that you don't know about sheep, which is the other reason why God compares us to sheep, other than sheep are not very intelligent. <laughs> They're not super self-sufficient. The reason we are compared to sheep, and David compares himself to a sheep in God's hurt, under God's care, is that sheep are very habitual. So, a herd of sheep will always walk the same road. They will always walk the same path, not understanding that if they don't change the path, there is only death that will follow them. A herd of sheep can destroy the most wonderful pasture if they are not led by an experienced shepherd. You release a bunch of sheep in green pastures, for a few days, it will be a desert. For the simple reason that they always go on the same path. They always eat the same place. They are not allowing the provision They're not allowing the provision to grow. They think this is it. So the sheep has to trust the shepherd's leading. Because the shepherd will always lead a sheep on a new path. He will lead the sheep on the most unexpected, listen to me, for the sheep, but also for the enemy path. Because If they go on the same path every day, the wolves are going to notice. The snakes are going to notice. So God says, I have to take you through a different route. It looks like it's more dangerous, but it's actually safe. Have you ever felt like God led you through danger? Have you ever felt like God is not coming through in the way you expected it? Because if you, in your stupid self, (laughs) expected that God will move in exactly this way, guess what? The enemy was already there waiting for you. So God says, while the enemy is waiting for you in your comfort zone, I'm going to be leading you through the valley. I have prepared, I have set a table in the end of the valley. You know, they're what they call mesa, a table. Those are high places that come right after valleys that are very green and fresh. And the shepherd actually prepares these tables, say tables and enemies, say tables and enemies. He prepares means that he went in advance. He prepared means that he already planned for it. It's not like spontaneous. Let's look where are we going to go and eat now. You know, I know that sometimes you feel like this. But this is not the reality of your life. You're looking for a job. God is not looking for a job for you. He already made the way to your job. He already went into your new job and he prepared it for you. Before you even knew that there is a job. Before you even knew that there is a table, he went and he prepared. He set the table. You know, the word prepared in Hebrew goes much further than just to set it up. It actually means to arrange or to decorate So he's like, I already decorated some amazing stuff for you in 2023. I already decorated some amazing tables for you in 2024. I don't know who I'm preaching to. But you say, my God, I don't know what the future holds. Well, let me tell you, he holds the future. You don't need to know what the future holds. All you need to know is that he holds the future. Shout like... You believe he holds your future. He knows. I said he knows. He's already been there. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. So he went in advance, but the reason that the shepherd goes in advance to prepare this table is because usually there are plants that are extremely poisonous to sheep. And for some reason, Love eating these poisonous plants. It sounds like you. That girl is poison, but you really like her. That friend is toxic, but you really love it. That talking behind someone's back. Come on and talk to me now. Oh, my English is not bad. Your revelation is slow. It's poison, But you enjoy. So the shepherd has to go and remove things from your future in advance. So by the time she breaks up with you and you're crying for her, God says, I removed her. She would have poisoned your potential. By the time you say, oh, he was my best friend. Look at me. He was my best friend. God says, I had to remove him because he was going to poison your potential poisonous relationships, come on, poisonous practices, talk to me now, poisonous habits, come on and talk to me now, poisonous food, literally. He says, I'm removing the poison from the table. I'm preparing a table that is free of poison. And he says, your rod and your stuff, they comfort me. You know, they used to preach in a church that I grew up in that the stick was for the sheep. You know, if the sheep went astray, then the shepherd would hit, hit the, you know, the sheep on the back and then they kind of get in line. So the whole idea of, uh, of this preacher uh, who was teaching was that God was correcting us with this stick. What he didn't understand is that the stick it's not for the sheep. It's for the predators. Because when he goes to prepare the table, there will be some snakes. So he has to kill the snake before you go there. There might be some wolves. Can I preach this? So he has to chase out the wolves before you go there. I'm trying to preach to somebody under the sound of my voice and say, the stick is not for you. The stick is for the enemy. God will not hit you with his stick. God will hit the enemy with his stick. Clap like you believe you have a good shepherd. Now the part that's really for you is the staff. Because the staff is like a hook. Since sheep don't like to drink from still water. He will make you go and lie on green pastures beside what still water but sheep don't like still water sheep like running water again it's like you you want things to happen fast yeah, you want your money to move fast. You want your blessings to come yesterday. You want, you want already, you want to be the boss. You already want to be up there. You want to be successful. And God says, you know, you're like sheep. Sheep love these fast moving rivers. But what they don't understand since they're very limited is that while they're drinking from that fast. Come on, talk to me now. Blessing. The water begins to feel the wool on their back. And before they know it, the sheep start drowning in the running water. So the shepherd has to take the staff and catch them with the hook and pull them out. You see, God will pull you out of a blessing you are not ready for. There is a miracle in stillness. There is a blessing in stillness. God says, I know that you think you could go faster, but you can only go that much. Let me take you step by step because the enemy wants to drown you and I want to bless you. The enemy wants to kill you and I want to give you life. The enemy wants for you to have only one victory and then be finished. But I want to give you victory after victory, battle after battle until you win the whole war. Shout and clap like you believe what I'm teaching you. Say there is power in stillness. The staff is to save you from rushing into waters that seem like blessing, but they're dangerous waters. Be careful with fast blessings. I knew you won't say amen here. (laughs) Yeah. Be careful with fast progress. Because what fast progress does is it removes your defenses. You become so entrenched, you become so entangled, you become so focused on this running water that you don't realize that what was meant to refresh, refresh you and bless you is now drowning you. Are you drowned in business? Are you drowning in your work? Are you drowning in success? He's coming with a staff that is like a hook. And he's pulling you out now. I said that this message is pulling you out. I said that under this anointing, whatever you've been drowning in, I'm pulling you out. In Jesus' mighty name, you should be clapping. You should be shouting. You should be believing do i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil fear will not block me the enemy will not block me i will focus on who's with me and not what's happening my focus is on i am walking with the shaper my focus is on not just how i'm walking are you here but also on who i'm walking with is not about the location if you ever loved anybody you know this it's not about the location you could be in the most wonderful place and in the most terrible place but when your eyes when your eyes lock with the person you love you forget about your surrounding it feels like you're in heaven i feel like god is telling you look at me I'm with you. Look at me. I'm walking with you. Don't stop. I know he's roaring. Don't, don't even listen. Don't even bother listening. Don't even bother answering that stupid comment. Just walk. Look at me. Walk with me. Walk with me because I've prepared something for you. I know you can't see it now, but I already prepared it. I know you don't know where it is, but I know I'm, I'm leading you there. Don't, don't you dare worry about going through the valley of the shadow of death. I just hit you with my shadow. Did you feel anything? I just pushed you with my shadow. Did you feel anything? A shadow means only one thing. There is light on the other side. This is the shadow. Come on and shout. This is the shadow of death. There is light. On the other side. If there wasn't light on the other side, you wouldn't be experiencing a shadow. Enemies and tables means that God will never separate your toughest battles from your greatest blessings. He will always integrate what you're trying to separate because He wants to prove you. He wants to approve you. And he wants to show you that it's not in your strategy or your plan or your purpose or your goodness or your kindness. It's in his plan, his preparation, his goodness. He has already prepared a table for you. And then the shocking part comes. In the presence. Say presence. You are now thinking in the presence of the Lord. It says in the presence of your enemies. I came to preach to somebody under the sound of my voice and say, if you see a lot of enemies, you should be looking for the tables. <laughs> the haters specialize in two things. Number one, the haters specialize in telling you what they would do if they were you. So when a hater says, you're full of pride, they're actually telling you, if I was at your position, I would be full of pride. If a hater is telling you, oh, you're only doing this for the money, he's actually telling you, if I was at your level, I would be doing it for the money. Anything a hater is telling you reveals more about themselves than about yourself. My English is not bad. Your revelation is low. And number two, haters are a specialist at prophesying God's blessing in your life. I didn't know who I was until I was hated by people at the highest level. Your haters are revealing you. They are revealing the level at which you're functioning. Say enemies and tables. So now there you are. You're coming up the table. Look at me. God is there. It's a picture of a host. He has a towel. He has arranged everything. He has decorated it in your taste. Now he says, my child, there is the table. Here's the big problem though. Most Christians will say, thank you, God. But look at all these enemies. They don't understand that God will never bless you in the secret. You will pray in secret. He will bless you in the open. You will give in secret. He will give you in the open. Because when God is blessing you, He wants Everybody that ever put you down, everybody that ever criticized you, everybody that ever said you will never make it, He wants them all to see the blessing that He is pouring on your head. So now He's sitting at the table There are no enemies at your table. It's only Jesus there. If there are enemies at your table, it's the ones that you brought with you because you thought they were your friend. This is not in my message today. But just as a warning, be careful who you allow on your table. If they were not with you on the valley, if they were not with you in the shadow of death you shouldn't be giving them a seat at your table so he says he prepares a table in the presence of my enemies this word in English in the presence of of my enemies is confusing the reader because that's not what the Hebrew says the Hebrew says it like this are you ready for it he says he prepares a table in full view Of my enemies. So, your table is their view. It's like they bought an expensive apartment, they hated you, and then God says, It's okay. In the view of their apartment, I'm going to build your table. Your blessing will be in the view of your enemies and then he says if you manage to focus on me and not get distracted by them i'm going to do something amazing i will anoint your head with oil you see this is very powerful because sheep usually transfer parasites and one specific type of illness called scab by rubbing their heads. Sometimes they rub their heads to show love. Most times they're rubbing their heads because they're fighting for status. So now the Bible says, if you're not focusing on your enemies, I'm going to anoint your head with oil. So a good shepherd will get the head because this is where this cab is transferred from, the head. Most problems in your life are coming from your head. So God says, I'm not going to anoint your spirit. Come on and talk to me now. Because you don't have any problems coming from your spirit doesn't say, I'm going to anoint your heart because you don't have any problems coming from your heart. He says, I'm going to anoint your stupid head so that you stop hitting your head with your brothers, so that you stop fighting for status. So he anoints your head. And look, that's amazing. One thing that anointing does is it protects you from this illness that kills sheep. The number one illness that kills sheep is called scab. And it comes from the head, from rubbing their heads. Then number two, this anointing will stop all the parasites that are trying to live in your head. All the bugs that are bugging you. God says, I'm going to anoint you so much that the things that used to bug you, will bug you no longer. The haters that used to bug you, come on. They will bug you no longer. The enemies that used to bug you, shout a little bit. They will bug you no longer. It gets powerful. Then when you have conflict, because sheep, you know, they're usually very good, but they fight against each other. It's like Christians. It's like you and your wife you're from the same team but every now and then your wife is trying to be more of a you know head of the house a man said once the last word in our home is always mine as a man of the house and they asked him what's the word he says yes honey So you're rubbing heads with your children. You're rubbing heads with your brothers. You almost never rub your head against the enemy. You always rub your head against people who are supposed to be your partners. So you're rubbing your head with this person, that person, your girlfriend, your wife, your husband, whatever, friends, people from church. You're rubbing your heads and you're transferring demons, parasites. So he says, I'm going to put so much anointing on your head. And this is what shepherds do. They anoint the head of sheep so many times that their forehead becomes oily. So much so that when they try to hit each other's heads, they just slip, like this. They try a few times, look at me. Oh, I'm angry with you. Come on and shout. Come on and clap. It's not that there isn't any conflict. It's just that the anointing becomes the solution. Solution. The solution. The anointing becomes the solution. The oily solution that makes, look at me, problems, they just slip. Conflict, it just slips. Fights, it just slips. You go into peace. You go into blessings. I'm about to finish. Are you ready for it? Yeah. Then he says, my cup is full. Is that what he it says? No. It's like it doesn't make any sense. Do I have some water? So this is a full cup, right? It's very full. It's actually more than full. So you come at his banquet table. He's like, I anointed you. I prepared a table. Are you focusing on me? Like, yes. But there, you see these people watching from their windows? From their windows? From their windows? All of them are seeing this. God is like, yeah, I know. Focus now, focus. I've prepared a table, focus. None of them have a seat. They're just watching, talking, commenting. They have no power over you. Okay, so if you focus now, I anointed your head. Now, I'm gonna give you something to drink. You're like, yeah, thank you. That's enough. No, no, let, let me just focus. But God, God, you're God, you're messing things up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just focus on this. Focus on this. Let me bless you. Let me bless this table. <laughs> let this water is flowing. No wonder many Christians have a problem with prosperity. They're not getting it. If you have the mentality of most Christians, you'll be like, oh, he made a mess everything is wet you couldn't even drink from that glass like what's the point of it there's only one point god says i'm not just gonna bless you i'm gonna bless everybody around you i'm gonna make it so everywhere you go you leave a mark you want to drink like you think you think this was it give me the next bottle you think this was it i have more you think, you think that I stopped? No, I'll continue. You want some more? No, God, please stop. Uh, I'm going to prophesy this to somebody today. Before the end of this year, you're going to be like, please, Father, stop. It's too much. Too much, Papa. Too much blessing. Too much favor. Too many miracles. What do I do with all this money? Shout like you believe? Say enemies and tables. Say they go together. Say my enemies are showing me that their tables ahead of me. Say the tables are in view of all my previous enemies. Say I'm anointed. My head is anointed. I'm not sick. I don't have any parasites. I'm transferring. Oil, Oil. I'm solving conflicts like oil. I'm walking in favor like oil. My cup is running. My cup is running over. Say overflow. Shout overflow. Shout overflow. Shout overflow. Say I prophesy overflow. Lift your hands and begin to pray. See overflow. Lift your hands and begin to pray. Prophesy overflow. In the mighty name of Jesus, I say overflow finances, overflow favor, overflow resources, overflow open doors, overflow joy, overflow peace. Overflow mercy, overflow anointing, every resource of heaven, it shall not be enough, you will not be full. you will be overflowing. Say overflow, shout overflow, shout overflow, in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on and clap to Jesus, come on. I believe this message has blessed and encouraged you to discover the strength and faith the Creator has put in you. If you'd like to support us, scan the QR code you see on the screen and follow us on social media. If you want to learn more about us, go to awakening.bg.